Our Old Testament reading this morning, it, it, apparently, it's in invisible ink. Um, but I do know what it's supposed to be. Uh, it's supposed to be Genesis 9, 8 through 17. And you do have it as the insert to your bulletin uh, provided through the translation of the New King James Version. So I invite you to listen once again for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you. As many as came out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh and the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Our New Testament reading for this morning comes to us from the gospel according to Mark in the first chapter beginning at verse 9 and continuing through verse 15. That is printed in your bulletin. I would invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written in those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan and just as he was coming up out of the water he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him and a voice came from heaven you are my son the beloved with you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. In the river, up from the water, out into the wilderness, and in between, the heavens are rent, the Holy Spirit drops down, and God speaks from on high. This wasn't just another day at the Jordan. But the author of the gospel, according to Mark, runs his readers through these events as if 
he's in some kind of hurry to get onto something that's really important, like Jesus' three-year ministry of public proclamation. But the next 40 days, they turned out to be very important after all. We are familiar, of course, with the story of that time. It was then that Jesus engaged in an encounter with the tempter, Satan himself. But let's not do what the author of Mark seems to like to do here, and that is rush this story along. Quite honestly, that's what most of us prefer to do, rush things along. We've got lots of things that are on our plates, so we feel compelled in our tasks and achievement-oriented society to plow on through these items at full speed, to get them done as quickly and as efficiently, as expeditiously as possible. Don't look left, don't look right, or you might get distracted. Heaven forbid that we should slow down for a moment to catch our breath along the way. There's just no time for that. For somebody might catch us and pass us after all. Recently I saw another argument to this conventional wisdom of ours. It said that productivity isn't actually about doing more things. What counts is doing the most important things well. So why don't we then study and listen for God's word well? Now we're in Lent and hence the purple stole of the minister. If ever there was a period of time on the calendar, well at least the calendar of the Christian church that is, when we are given permission, encouraged even, to slacken the pace a bit, to stop majoring in the minors, as they say, this would be that time. For the weeks that we have between now and Easter, you and I are invited into a, a very countercultural time within time. Lent is a season in which the faithful often choose to give things up as a way of being reminded of Jesus and the sacrifices that he made throughout his life for us. And Lent is also a season during which people sometimes take up things as a way of being reminded of Jesus and the sacrifices that he made throughout his life for us. However you choose to approach it, the invitation, well, it's out there to make some time, to make some space in our busy calendars that we may study and listen for God's word well. Some of the thinking about our entry into this season of Lent that I did in the middle of this past week took place while I was working in the yard on one of those very rare days lately, one of those days when it hadn't been either raining or snowing or icing or all of the above. It had been a while since I had last put on my work gloves and gathered up some more branches and sticks that the storm had knocked out of the trees at the manse. And thank you, 
Eddie and Brenda for helping to remove some of that waste. And while there is still plenty more of that work for me yet to do there, I did feel a tiny sense of satisfaction at having made at least some more progress on that seemingly never-ending front. While engaged in, in that wholesome manual labor, I had the chance to look around the grounds and think to myself about some of those other projects, the ones that I would like to tackle in the yard before too awful long. And when I came inside for the evening, my mind was still fixated on that line of thought, for I, I began looking around in this room and in that room and, and thinking about what I would like next to do in each of those as well. Though we are not quite yet three weeks fully after Groundhog Day, I'm still beginning to think about some spring cleaning. And so it is that this same time of the year, we also happen to find ourselves in Lent. And this is a wonderful time for us to start doing some spring cleaning of the spiritual kind as well. As this is now our second Lent in the pandemic era, many folks have gotten accustomed to spending a lot more time in their houses than ever before. In fact, that's in part why I was so happy to have the opportunity to get out into the yard and do some work the other day, because our homes have become more multi-purpose venues than they had in the past. What with added child or elder care hosting responsibilities, with work from home offices, with school classrooms and so forth stuffed in there. The places that were once our sanctuaries from the rest of the world, they have been transformed into this hybridized hub of, of work, of food, of entertainment, of laundry, and of sleep. Consequently, it is easy for those multi-purpose spaces to get crowded and cluttered in no time at all. Doing some organizing and cleaning is now more important to our physical and our mental health than ever before. So what about the spiritual? Well, it may be that you too are one of those people who have been finding that it's been a bit more difficult than usual to find space for your spiritual life. Many of you who are listening to this broadcast have been forced out of your routine of traveling to and from a church service of your own on Sunday. You've had to settle for participating by listening to a part of a service in this fashion. I congratulate you on your desire to maintain a connection to the Word and to the church in this fashion, even while I readily admit it is certainly not a substitute for the soul-nourishing fellowship of the saints that comes from sitting alongside brothers and sisters, socially distanced, of course, in the pews, and actually participating in a worship service experience. Though far from ideal, it is something, and something is, whether we like it or not, something is, well, something. Maybe we wish that a particular church was not closed, 
or that the devotional corner or desk in the living room or the bedroom had not been repurposed for work and or school, but just because a space has been made off limits or a place has become unavailable does not keep God from being present wherever we find ourselves. We have been forced to adjust and to readjust the rhythms of so many aspects in our lives. In Lent, we have an invitation to participate in just such a process, a process of clearing out some of the clutter that has come between us and God, some of the distractions that we have allowed to accumulate, not just in our homes, but in our hearts, God's home. I've said in the past that when I write a sermon, I quite often write it to and for myself. And then I share it in the hopes that there might be someone else who needs to hear this word as I do. So know that it isn't just you who may be feeling less disciplined and more scattered and distracted as we enter into this Lenten season together. But the invitation comes to us all again to become more intentional and, dare I say, disciplined to prioritizing the maker, creator, sustainer, and redeemer of this world over and above the things of this world. Providentially, this also happens to be tax season, which, of course, I don't have to tell most of you, but at least for me, that also means this is by necessity a season for some mandatory cleaning. I have to clean out a bunch of financial statements and documents that have accrued over the course of the year past so that I can locate and forward the relevant and requisite paperwork to my tax preparation people. As long as I'm already required to be about cleaning for mammon, what better time than now to couple it with a less visible but even more important sort of cleaning? Clearing out the clutter which has gotten in the way of that which is most important. Some of it is, is physical stuff, but most of it, most of it isn't. And that is precisely the kind of stuff that's often harder to declutter. It's harder to recognize. And so it is harder, therefore, to remove. Sometimes it can feel as daunting as shoveling sand against the tide. For as soon as this bucket has been removed, the hole that we just made gets filled in with new sand. But by way of encouragement, we know that there is a cycle to that tide and that often it is incoming, but just as often it is outgoing. So whether it's right away or not so right away, there will come a time when the water isn't constantly replenishing the supply of sand and you can actually dig a hole through the clutter the clutter of the mundane things of this world to make space for contemplation of the extraordinary. God knows that we need this sort of encouragement too, which is why I believe one of the reasons that he has put that bow in the cloud for our perpetual benefit. I told the session 
at the January meeting that my New Year's resolution for 2021 was to be more intentionally thankful this year. But in order to get there, I realize I have to make space for it to happen. My thoughts and actions are already so crowded that I have to give something up in order to make room in my heart to do this. Thus far, I have to be honest, my results have been mixed. Now, as we enter Lent together, I hear again a call to rededicate myself to this work, and it cannot happen if I continue to hold on to all the stuff that's getting in my way. It is time for a Lenten cleaning. I invite you to join with me in this journey as we respond to the grace upon grace, the amazing grace that we have received from the hand of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And for that, we can truly say, thanks be to God and amen.